Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On September 18th, 10 storytellers shared their stories with our audience at Holy Hound Tap Room in downtown York. Our theme for the evening was hashtag adulting. We heard stories about having to act like a grown-up for the first time, figuring out a career path, and learning to shop like an adult. In the end, for our second month in a row, we had a tie. One of our winners was Susan Crawford with her story about how her perspective on her father shifted. Well, tonight I'm here with my husband and my grandson, Jeremy, who wanted to sit and hide in the back there. So this is more of a story from a grandmother to a grandson about something that you learn as, as you get more adulting experience. Um, my father was not the easiest person. He was not warm and friendly. He was very critical. And I don't think I did one thing right growing up. Even the things I did well, there was always room for improvement. Has anybody else had a difficult parent in their life? Yes, yes. And they're all difficult in their own way. Um, when I was about eight, I was home from school. Uh, it was a day off. I was uh, lounging around in the living room. This was before we had 24-hour TV. So children had to kind of like amuse themselves. And as I was rolling around, I found a stuffed in the back of the bookcase was another book hidden. And when I pulled it out, it was a album. And many of the pictures were the family. But there were two pages that were clipped together with paper clips. Now, I'm not really sure what adult thought that that would stop me from undoing those <laughs> and looking. And there were four pictures on, on those two pages, three of which we're not going to talk about because they were very nice pictures of my naked mother, which we will definitely not talk about. <laughs> but the fourth one was my father in what what looked like a kind of white diaper thing next to a Japanese soldier. And when I asked my parents about these, um, it turned out that my father had been a prisoner of war for four years during World War II. And as I grew up, I started to think, I really did not know what that meant, what that experience could have meant. But I kind of started to think about that as maybe that's why my dad isn't the warmest person. My dad's kind of a control person. And he really didn't talk about any of his experiences till he was about in his 60s, and he started to talk about them. And it really was, um, the more he talked about it, the more I could understand that he may not have been the father I wanted, but he, can't, he had such a traumatic experience, he couldn't be the father maybe that I wanted. And one day I was looking in his cabinet, and he has a, he has a set of little round bamboo plates and these plates were given to him by the commandant of the prison before they were liberated. And I said to him, you know, we really should see if the British War Museum, no euphemisms in Britain, it's a war museum, um, would like some of the things you have saved from that time. And in fact, they were extremely happy to get these items. And so I went through cataloging, and I didn't realize till then, when he really started talking, how much stuff that he had. He had, um, when they were in Hong Kong, which is the first place he was, he was a prisoner, they actually put on plays and tried to act as normal as possible in the confines of a very bad situation. He actually taught himself French 
while he was a prisoner of war. And one day, he and his best friend, they had been through this whole experience together, they took certain of the, uh, certain of the prisoners to Japan to work in a steel mill. Unfortunately, his friend Peter, who I knew and heard from as an adult, got very sick. And my father did everything he could to get medicine for Peter, but Peter wasn't deemed well enough to go to Japan. So these three boats took off to Japan from Hong Kong, and of course the Allies didn't know that they were prisoner of war, and they shot down two of the, they sank two of the ships. So my father's ship was the only ship that actually made it. And his situation became much worse when he was there. And I think the most um, devastating piece of his collection is his diary. Every day he wrote something in it. He actually used uh, toilet paper from the time for a diary, and he wrote down memories. But every day was something about food. The fact that he was going to get half a cup of rice that day and some watery soup with maybe a vegetable in it. And he wrote, we have the book, he wrote every day, he wrote about his food and who didn't get up that morning. Now, not all the stories, it's funny how human people get to be. He tells a story about the fact that um, the, the camp became overrun with flies, and this really bothered the Japanese people, and they put a bounty on, on flies. So every fly they turned in, they would get something for it. Well, this went on so long that the, finally the commandant realized that the prisoners were breeding flies in the back of one of the tents <laughs> so that they could get the money that they wanted, get what they wanted. So it wasn't until so much later that I began to realize, you know, that I don't know how someone uh, goes through that and then is supposed to come home and be a citizen, a family man, and uh, a worker, but they do. And we all have tragedies in our lives, maybe not to that extent, but what I'd like my grandson to know is that there are very little black and whites in the world. As you get older, you realize the world is very gray. People aren't good, they're not bad. They're, they're just shades of gray along the way. And at 20, he thinks he knows everything, and he probably does, but things are not quite as black and white as he would see. Thank you. Susan earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up is our second winner, Ted Elliker, who talked about what it means to be the adult in a relationship. So uh, this is my second time. And uh, adulting was one of those things that uh, I look out and I see there are a lot of millennials out here, and obviously I'm not one of those. But uh, so I had really had to, I Googled it, and I was like, what is this? And I find out, well, it's, it's the... It's becoming an adult, it's doing things that an adult should do, acting responsibly. And I thought, how am I going to relate that to my life? And uh, I thought, I know, I'm going to go back and replay my life and find out when was the first moment that I really adulted. So uh, I graduated from York High at, at the age of 17, and I'll guarantee you there were no adulting moments in those first 17 years. The only thing that ended in an ING was poop, and uh, that, that was early on. So I, I go to I, I went to Penn State and I was in a dorm at the State College for uh, for a year and then I went to fraternity, and the fraternity if you can relate to this if you all saw the movie movie Animal House that was my fraternity, 
the only the only adult influence in my life was my high school sweetheart, my my girlfriend, my lover, and it was Holly. And uh, she would come up every now and then on the weekends, and we would have adulting. Although it was another ing word that didn't begin with adult. <laughs> and so my sophomore year around. Around May, I got a, I'm at the fraternity, I got a, the, the pledge says, Brother Alec, here's a phone call, some chick on, on the line one for you. And uh, it was Holly. And she said, hey, I got some news to tell you. I said, well, what would that be? And she said, well, the rabbit died. And I said, the rabbit died? I said, hell, I didn't know you had a rabbit. She said, you idiot, I'm pregnant, for God's sake. I'm like, oh. Well, now there's a moment right up from central casting to be an adult. And adulting came out of central casting, walked up, looked at me, and said, no. And he went over to Holly and signed her up for the role. So she has our daughter, Gretchen. We, she moves to State College. We move into a trailer. She sets up a daycare. She's making the meals. She's doing the finances. And she's raising two kids, her daughter and me. And... <laughs> And I would help out every now, now and then by coming home to this penurious situation and saying, hey, honey, I just bought us a motorcycle. So no adulting on the horizon for me at that point in time. So we leave and we move to, I get a job with GE, we move to Erie. And uh, she gets up there and we, she rents the house and furnishes it, does everything, sets up the social network, does the finances. And same thing happens when we move to Burlington, Vermont, except now we have two kids. So she's raising three kids. <laughs> so we moved back to York, and long story short on that one is that we lived in the city, and I said, I'm tired of this, so I designed a house to be built in the country, and I sent it out to be bid for contractors, and they all came back and said, no way, we're not going to do this. It's too complicated. So I ended up, I said, I can do it as an adult, or as a, as a I, don't, I didn't think that was the case, though. I, uh, I said, I can build this. I started building it myself. And after a year, I realized what a colossal mistake it was. So, but I got it done, and sort of. And we're sitting in the house on 1 July, and it's, it's, it's barely livable in. We have no internal doors except a sheet over the upstairs bathroom. We have uh, the, the sink is on sawbucks, and there's no soffits in the house, so birds would fly in and every now and then shit on the casserole and the, on the dining room table. <laughs> So we're sitting there, and it's really hot, and at one point I said, you know what, we have enough money left from the mortgage. I said, we can get, we can either finish the heating system, or we can put in a 20 by 40 in-ground swimming pool with a diving board. What do you think? Let's take a family vote on it. So the family vote was three to one. The one adult in the room being Holly, she voted for the heating system. So come October, it was an early winter, it was cold, it was 30s, the snow's flying, and she calls up and says, get your ass out here and finish the seating system. And so that's the way it went for the whole life. But I'm happy to report that finally, at one point in my life, I became an adult and I did adulting. And I remember the exact day, it was October 21st, 2016, at 7 a.m. in the morning. And that's when my high school sweetheart, Girlfriend, lover, wife, died, and I've been adulting ever since. Ted also earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Kevin Reinmiller. 
Kevin shared his story about his heroic efforts during a college dorm emergency. Let us begin with the details. Um, In 2006, I was a sophomore in college. Uh, I lived on campus in the dorms. I got along very, very well with my roommate. He and I got along very, very well with our suite mates, which were the, um, the individuals that you, you share a bathroom with. We have a dorm room, a bathroom, and a dorm room. Uh, you know, college for me was pretty standard, okay? I, uh, I got in trouble. Um, once in a while, I went to class. Um, but the difference between my story and the typical college story is that my story starts where the typical college story ends. I was over in my suite mate's room and we had just wrapped up an incredible, mind-blowing, I'll save it for another day, story, bender. Um, and I, I go to go to bed. And I head in through the bathroom which attached our, our rooms and I go for the door and it's locked. I'm not surprised. That night I had a guest, a very, very, very nice young lady was over and she had headed to bed um, and the guys and I, we were being hooligans. We were in and out of the rooms. Uh, we were riling one another up. She locked the door. So out into the hallway I go. I go for the other door. Locked. And good thing it was because out of the corner of my eye, about 40, 50 yards down the hall, there I see it, smoke. A wall of it. A wall of smoke. Now, what I do next, I've had the last decade to reflect on. And I really screamed like that, just like that. That's the most accurate reenactment of that night you will ever see again. So I go, I pull the fire alarm. I head back into my sweet mate's room and they're just sitting there. I say to them, that's a fire alarm. If you don't leave, you will die. Focus, Kevin. Focus, save the girl. Back through the bathroom, which attached our dorm rooms, and I go for the door, but I learned my lesson this time, so I punched through it, right through. It was not that difficult. It was a two-ply hollow door. It felt a lot like a movie prop. And what about her? What does she get to see? Slow motion as a burst of light beams through the room, and shattering wood frames this face. Okay? I push the rest of the frame away, and I hustle over to her, only to find that she's wearing nothing but her bra and underwear. Details. There's no time for sex, I realize that, so... I hoist her up onto my shoulders, and I fireman carry her to safety. I'm pissed. There's eight people outside. That's a fire alarm. If you don't leave, you're gonna die. So I go back inside. I go door to door. I do the scream, which we all just experienced, and I start to funnel people out. And what a sight that was. Hundreds of us gathered around, all these different faces with this same look, this thankful to be alive look. And when I said that I had a decade to reflect on that moment, that's the moment. You see, an adult is not someone that takes action to be recognized, but recognizes when they are to take action. So I scanned that crowd. I looked at each face. I soaked it in. And I found that very, very, very nice young lady. And she's miserable. Mean mugging me. She's eating my soul with her eyes. And I think to myself, what's this? Hmm? Some kind of do not wake me up even if I may burn alive look? 
You son of a bitch. Spoiler alert, I do end up marrying her. She's a sweet little thing. <laughs> she loves animals. My mom loved animals. It felt like a match made in heaven. Um, but I was about to give her a piece of my mind that night, okay, and let her know how I felt about her, when the firefighters came outside. Yeah, they were there. It was a smoke bomb. All the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. Tickets for our events are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at YorkStorySlam. Please also follow us on Facebook and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.